This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the inspirational, informational, and transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Things sure have changed for military helicopter pilots wanting to work for the airlines. In the past, airlines didn't even consider rotorcraft time. Now, airlines are creating rotor transition programs designed specifically towards military aviators. Well, today I discuss these new rotor transition programs and also answer some of your questions. But before we begin, a few announcements. Many of you have asked me about our resume services, which we provide through signing up for our coaching services. Before you sign up for the coaching, please review the free trial of the Pilot Jobs book to help form your resume and also your cover letter. After signing up for your first hour of coaching, send us your resume for our review, and we'll return that to you with comments and suggestions. During our one-on-one coaching session, we'll discuss your resume and also your career goals. To find out more, go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash courses to find out more about the Pilot Jobs book and all those other courses that are included in our monthly membership. By the way, the Pilot Jobs book you can purchase, but it's also included in our monthly membership of only $10 a month, which includes many other courses that we have, technical courses and also career courses. Also, to sign up for the coaching, it's $75 for your first hour, and you can go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash coaching, watch the video, and uh, sign up for the course there. Another thing is, you know, we really dramatically reduced the online price for our scholarships guide to $10 for a year access. Uh, we did that because we had it included in our membership price, and people were saying they just wanted the scholarships guide. And I know, and I really appreciate everybody purchasing that. Uh, and one of the things that I want you to do, if you've purchased the ebook version through Amazon, send us your electronic receipt, and by, you know you can just follow the instructions in the book. Send us the electronic receipt feedback at aviationcareerspodcast dot com, and then we'll sign you up for one year from the date of purchase for the guide, the online guide, which is the most current version of the scholarships guide. The easiest way to do that, though, uh, by the way, if you want the most current version, of course, is to go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash scholarships and sign up for the 10-year access, or excuse me, for the one-year access for $10. Before, remember, that was $10 a month. We've really reduced the cost. We're trying to help more people get into scholarships. And of course, if you need our coaching services to help you with resumes and also with reviewing your applications and getting ready for your interviews, we can do that too. But, um, one thing we found out in all these electronic ebooks and versions, et cetera, is that they there is no way to set up an a, uh, actual access for a year like we've been trying to offer. So in the future, what we're going to do is all those online uh, bookstores like the iBookstore or uh, iTunes, I guess it is for Apple, and also through Amazon, we're going to offer that scholarships guide. And then, of course, you can send us your electronic receipt. 
And a year from the date on the electronic receipt will give you one year access to that. Uh, as far as the pricing differential, yeah, the, the scholarships guide online is the least expensive way to go uh, and will be in the future because it takes the less, least amount of effort for us as far as people working on it because we have a whole staff that just works on that scholarships guide. If you have a suggestion for the scholarships guide, if you've seen one out there or you found one, uh, please send it to us, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. We'll get in touch with the scholarship administrator and help them out. Also, for those that do have scholarships and want to learn more about how to administer those and uh, some consulting services that we have, you can actually send us an email and, uh, and we'll get together with you on that. Anyway, let's, uh, let's move on to the, uh, the episode here. And one of the things that's been really interesting is lately I've been doing a lot of coaching services and coaching prep, um, interview prep for those folks that are transitioning from the military uh, into the civilian world. And I know that it's such a different world. Coming into the Part 121 world, there's there's no way you're going to get that kind of experience except through listening to podcasts like this and also you know listening to your instructors when you're moving into the 121 world. The great thing about moving into the regional uh, world at first is the fact that they'll teach you all about 121 operations, and you can get a lot of experience in the 121 uh, operating environment by working for a regional because they're exposed more to the 121 flying than any other major airline. Remember, the major airlines, they might fly one flight a day. I did three flights yesterday, and uh, and that's a lot. Whereas in the regionals, you can do three to five flights in one day. So you're learning how to work the system, how edicts work, and understanding the different uh, intricacies of the 121 environment and also air traffic control environment, which you don't get as much in the, uh, in the military world. It's a real great uh, way to transition into the major airline flying. But I want to talk a little bit about this rotor transition programs. There's there's so many out there, and uh, and one I just want to mention is is and it's going to be a link in the show notes. There's one SkyWest does. There's a whole bunch of other ones out there. Uh, but what they're doing is they're taking rotorcraft pilots. Remember, in the old days, rotorcraft time meant nothing when you were going to the airlines because there are so many fixed-wing aviators, so they kind of discounted the rotor wing. Uh, you didn't have your rating, obviously, for fixed-wing when you came out many times uh, or decide not to get that, etc. Whatever your circumstances were, nowadays, it's amazing. The regionals, especially, are helping you transition to your fixed-wing licenses, and what they're doing is they're doing it through what they call like a tuition reimbursement program, and if and a good example of that is SkyWest's rotor transition program for military aviators. Uh, currently, as of this recording, and I'm doing this on May 14th of 2018, they're offering $20,000 in tuition reimbursement for their fixed-wing transition program at their flight schools, participating flight schools, which is the ones that partner with them. They also have an additional $7,500 bonus uh, providing a pathway directly to becoming a commercial pilot. So that's up to $27,500. That's a far cry from 20 years ago when being a helicopter pilot meant nothing. The, and I know that sounds crazy, but you, you know you operate in the environment you're flying, et cetera, and I do understand it's a difference between rotorcraft flying and fixed-wing flying. You have to train to do that, uh, but you are in an aviation environment. And finally, they've realized 
the value of that at the airlines. And now, not only that, they're finding out that it's a good idea to set up these transition programs where they help people that are in the military transition back into the civilian world. And it's good for the regionals, obviously. It's uh, also it's good for you because it helps you financially when you move out. Because remember, before you'd have to come out, do all your training at your own cost using uh, your GI Bill, etc., uh, now there's like no cost to you. As a matter of fact, they're going to reimburse you and give you some bonuses. That's pretty awesome. And going into the regionals, as many of our military pilots can tell you, you get a lot of experience and helps you transition into a mainline carrier, which is terrific. The guys, the fighter pilots, they don't have that. I mean, they, they're they just thrown right into the fray when they go to the ma- major carriers and they've never had any 121 experience. They don't understand the gatehold process and, and actually all the nuances of it. Uh, so they're like, oh, wow, what is this? And uh, it gets to be a little more difficult for them. But of course, uh, they've, you know, through their training and all, uh, and a lot of them are very highly motivated type of individuals. Uh, they usually don't have much of a problem transitioning there. So there's uh, on the program, these rotorcraft uh, transition programs, just a, just a, I, I know a lot of people are trying to decide what should I do? I'm a military aviator. I'm a helicopter pilot. I don't know which one to choose. Uh, there's many reasons you choose a specific program. A lot of it has to do with, with cost, location, uh, the partnering airline, the type of flying you want to do. Uh, let me make a comment, by the way, about SkyWest because we are talking about that right now. I used to fly for SkyWest. Great airline. They have amazing bases. It was one of the airlines that I enjoyed flying for because of the fact that they were all over the map. I mean, they had so many different domiciles, and they're the largest regional out there as far as number of aircraft. And they're bigger than some of the the, the small uh, uh, major carriers, too. It's phenomenal how big they are. The, the bases go from the east to the west coast. You do flying internationally, both the north and south border. As a matter of fact, there's a really cool video, video about the airline. I'm going to include that in the show notes. So go ahead and check out the show notes for episode 180 at the bottom. And remember, when you're, when you're watching this, you can, or excuse me, listening to this on your device, you can click on the show notes and the links that I have included, which I'll have a link to this rotor transition program. Uh, but it's really neat to go with an airline that's been established. They have, uh, the Skywestern uh, specifically has the, um, you know, great training and also is very well known by the majors. And a lot of majors hire the folks at SkyWest, along with other regionals. There's some other regionals that, are, that I think are in the, the top five, top ten also. And, um, and you know, really, SkyWest is a great place to work, great work roles, uh, good pay, great benefits, that type of thing. And with that said, obviously, this isn't an endorsement of just SkyWest, but, you know, many of the regionals, I just think it's one of the many good ones out there. Uh, you have to decide which one's best for you. And to do that, there's a formula, uh, and you should put in a, a, you know, a different statement of pluses and minuses in your, I like to, you know, the T diagram as, as they show in accounting and go, you know, what are the pluses here? What are the minuses? What should I do? The other thing you do, obviously sign up for our coaching and uh, we'll help you make that decision as to what to do, where to go next. And there's many things that are very unique to your situation. Don't listen to the online forums. Don't listen to anybody else because of the fact that what's, what's best for you is best for you alone. And uh, somebody else could go to a different airline because that one's best for them. Oh, another thing too, some people ask me about SkyWest and and all these different airlines I've flown for. Uh, And one of the reasons is, remember when I got into the aviation field, especially in the airline field, I was during 9-11. So being able to hold down a job was incredibly uh, difficult to do. This 
I'm talking about 27500 I just said about the bonuses and tuition reimbursement. Uh, I didn't make anywhere near that kind of money my first year as a pilot with the regionals. As a matter of fact, it wasn't until my fourth year at the regionals that I made more money than that. Uh, it really was, was an interesting time, uh, and that goes to another comment I hear, and I've been discussing this with other people's. You know, why do we go into aviation? It's because we love it. We love flying. Don't go into it just for the money. You're going to be really disappointed uh, because it really, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it, but it may not be fun to you. Uh, Airline flying, there's many other aviation careers out there if you're interested in that field. Obviously, mechanics and management and and many other things that you can do. But uh, this, this, idea of what an airline pilot is by listening to this and talking to other airline pilots you can find out what it's all about the downside to those online forums is you're always going to find some airline pilot that absolutely hates their job one of the discussions we had as far as transitioning to the airlines especially for the military pilots is is you see so many books out there and i i guess i just had this discussion with somebody it really bothered me as far as the books and the online forums how little pay you make the problem is they're looking at their first year or second year pay and that's it it's like in the military uh you know nobody is bragging about what they're making as a private but you can move up through the ranks and make a lot more money uh as a sergeant etc there's there's so many opportunities never look at the first year pay look at your pay five to ten years down the road uh it really is a a great opportunity uh, money wise but again don't do it just for the money and I know it's out I know you hear the salaries right now it's kind of crazy you know the airline and I always tell people as a, as a major airline pilot you're gonna make two hundred thousand dollars a year I know everybody thinks I'm low in that estimate but uh, that's what you're gonna be making as a junior you know airline pilot as a captain uh, I know there's m- people making many much much more double triple uh, that but I'm talking like, like a narrow body wide body obviously you're gonna make a lot more money wide body being uh, flying overseas so don't ever discount the fact that this is a great career both financially and also it's a great career uh, just in general because it enables you to go flying different places Another inside look in, say, my career, I know a lot of folks have been asking me this because some of you follow me on Facebook, uh, on my personal Facebook page, and have been saying, hey, where are all your pictures of the Caribbean? And um, I got that question again the other day. Well, uh, I changed bases, and now I actually am in the south, and I fly up north. So I don't go to the Caribbean as much. The only place I go, like I'll go to San Juan usually about once every week or every other week, hang out there in San Juan for the day. Uh, have a lot of fun, enjoy some of the local foods and attractions, and then I'll I'll fly up to to New York and New Jersey because that's where my family is. So you know, I made a choice uh, for now uh, that I want to be able to go up north and see my family while I'm working. So I visit different cities like Denver, Rochester, Buffalo, Newark, JFK, cities up north where I have family and out west where I have family, and I'm able to actually do that on the company's dime. So that's really, really cool. The other neat thing is uh, if I get sick of that and I want to go back to flying to the islands or say I want to do transcons or I want to go to South America, uh, again, I just change bases and I go to those bases where they have that type of flying and I say okay let me start bidding those type of trips right now I'm enjoying the fact that I'm just driving an hour to work although it took me two hours to get home yesterday it had to do with the weather Uh, so there's a little inside look as to what the decision making process is for somebody that's working for an airline 
Anyway, rotor transition programs, great opportunities. Many airlines have them. Take a look on the website. Uh, SkyWest is the one I was just talking about, but there's many, many more people out there that are doing it. And if you're a military pilot in general, the airlines, or just a military uh, veteran in general, the airlines, they want to talk to you. So go check out their websites because they have many different transition programs for folks like you. Let's move on to some of the listener mail. We have some time here for some listener mail. And uh, let's start here with the first one. It says, uh, oh, and by the way, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com for your questions. I, As you notice when I'm reading back your questions, I remove a lot of personal information. Uh, I have to make sure that I keep things as private as possible. But I do love the fact that you're sharing uh, your questions. Anyway, here it goes. Hello there. First of all, I just want to say how much I enjoy your podcast. Only have been listening for a few weeks, but your encouragement really helped me move ahead with my dream. I love aviation since I was a little kid. I've been dreaming of learning to fly. Now I'm 38 years old, and last week I started visiting some flight schools. I think I found one that I like close to where I live. This weekend I went on a discovery flight, which wasn't as what I expected. I met with a flight instructor who was really good, I think. He explained everything before the flight. Unfortunately, weather wasn't so good and we had some gusty winds. He told me it's not the best time we chose for a discovery flight, but we should be fine. We were taxiing out to the runway. He, he told and showed me how to hold the yoke, the rudder, etc. And he told me, let me to fly, fly the airplane when I was airborne. I was starting to enjoy it. We took off. Everything was fine. But as we were getting higher, I started to feel the wind moves as pretty rough. Uh, well, for me. I've never been on, a, on that type of small airplane. I've been traveling with many different kinds of airplanes, passengers especially. So I started to feel a little bit uh, sick to my stomach. We were only flying to the next town over for a touch-and-go and come back. But he, when he was descending, I uh, really suddenly started to feel worse. I didn't throw up, but I was close. He told me that it's perfectly normal for a lot of people, and they feel this way since it takes four to five flights to get used to. I just could not believe I could feel that sick. I've never been sick on a plane. I hope it'll go away. I got a little scared, but I want to go back and start my training. I really would like to know your opinion about this. Is this really that normal to feel this way on the first flight? Is there anything I can do before or during the flight? Please, if you can help me out about this, I really uh, would appreciate it. Thank you. Well, it is fairly normal for people to get airsick. By the way, in general, everybody gets airsick or can get airsick. You know, I have a really strong stomach, and I, I never get airsick, or I used to say that. And I got a little cocky, and so I started uh, doing some aerobatics and uh, airplane. And I was doing all sorts. I did like 25 spins, and I was using, moving my head, which you're not really supposed to do. And sure enough, I got sick. So nobody, everybody can get air sick. Just talk to any of those fighter pilots out there. Uh, no matter how tough you are, you, you're going you're gonna to get air sick someday, or you're going to start feeling it, that's for sure. But yes, uh, there's many people that get air sick their first time. There's many reasons people get air sick, by the way. It's not just the movement. It's also nervousness. Uh, there's many reasons for it. There's been many books written about becoming being air sick. Uh, but yes, it does change over time. Now, if you do have a really uh, big problem with air sickness, be careful as far as like the drugs uh, that you might be thinking of taking. Not a great idea. I had someone who's using a, a wristband for air sickness, and that helped a lot. Uh, this person actually 
probably took a little longer than most. It, it took a, at least a, at least five, maybe ten lessons before this person was able to get over that air sickness. Uh, if it is an issue, which you said it probably isn't, then I think you'll be fine. I don't think you have anything to worry about. Uh, but uh, hang in there. It usually gets better. Another thing I, I tell people is try not to go up in the middle of the afternoon, especially in Florida. Go up in the morning when the winds are calm. Go in the evening when the winds are calm. Adjust to the to the different movements of the aircraft and the turbulence, etc. And you uh, probably won't get airsick like make you think you would. I've actually started feeling queasy a little bit uh, when I was at work. You know, just getting bounced around and hammered in a thunderstorm, uh, especially if you have a big meal right before you go flying. So if you know it's going to be bumpy, just don't have a huge meal and and be nice to your flight instructor. Don't don't have that ginormous meal right before you go flying on a on a, uh, a lesson, especially in the beginning when you you might be prone to air sickness. But uh, yeah. I wouldn't worry about it. I think uh, I think you'll you'll be just fine. So, thanks for the question. And anybody has any other suggestions on air sickness? We'd love to hear about it and hear your stories, maybe about how you were able to overcome air sickness. Anyway, on to the next question. Uh, and this one actually is somebody sent me a link, and it's a link to flyfalcon.com/freecfi. It's uh, what they're doing is helping you get your CFI, and uh, you know, looking at paying for it, basically, not just helping you, paying for your CFI, MEI, uh, your double I, whatever it is. Um, and uh, thanks for sending this in, as a, and I think it is a great topic to talk about the free CFI. Let's talk a little bit about that. There are many schools out there, and this is just one of them, that is offering you a free CFI. Some advertise it like this school does, but there's other schools out there, and, and honestly, uh, we've seen this at the college. I've seen this happen at other schools where we'll lose instructors because they'll be taken away from us because some other school really wants them. And the school that wants them will say, hey, listen, if you come work for us, we'll give you your MEI, say, or your double I or whatever, or your CFI. Just come to our flight school, finish one of your ratings here, and we'll pay for it. Uh, I know, like, for instance, my instrument instructor rating, my boss, because I was working really hard, my boss said, well, here, go ahead and take the airplane for free during your check ride. I didn't pay for everything. But nowadays, there is such a shortage of flight instructors that people are willing to put the money out uh, to get them their CFI. And way, ways that they do that, and the reason they do that, I should say, and be careful with this, is that they'll make you sign a contract and say, hey, if you do this, you must stay with us for say 12 months and if you don't stay with us for 12 months you need to repay us that training cost the corporate pilots are used to this many times they sign an agreement of say 24 months or 12 months where they'll get them their type rating in the aircraft that that corporation flies and if they leave within that period that 12 month period they just have to pay it back normally at a prorated rate so if it costs twelve thousand dollars and you've you know you have to stay for 12 months or else you have to pay a thousand bucks back uh, per month that you don't stay. So for instance, if you stay for 11 months, you might owe them a thousand bucks and that's it. But if you stay for one month, you owe them $11,000. So it could be different. They're all made differently as far as these agreements are concerned. But yes, uh, it is a great way to get your rating for free. Uh, but there's nothing for free in life. There's a reason they're doing that. Uh, they want you to stay with them. For instance, like we were talking about rotor transition programs. They know that if you 
if they help you out with this, you're going to be locked into working for them, and it'll help them with their shortage of, of pilots. If there was no shortage of pilots right now, you wouldn't be seeing them throw all this money towards having people come through the programs. Uh, if if it was during, say, like 9-11, you had guys with 20,000 hours that were working as flight instructors, so they wouldn't be doing that type of thing. As a matter of fact, they'd probably make you pay for some of your ratings. So great question. Great topic. There's a lot of free CFI stuff out there. I, I think this school in particular is doing a good job trying to go out there and promote it because of the fact that they need people. And, uh, and the neat thing about doing this, by the way, uh, for the school, looking at it from the school side, is that they attract a, a lot of flight instructors, which means that the more flight instructors they attract and there's a more a higher propensity to get a good flight instructor. Uh, a good example is like, say, when one of the regionals puts out the highest pay and they jump above everybody else, all of a sudden they get all the applicants. And they, as a matter of fact, uh, may even say, hey, listen, we got so many applicants, we're, we're six months or a year out on training, or we're not taking any more applicants. So it enables them to get some really good applicants by doing that. So it's good for the flight school. It's good for you also. So great question. Uh, going on to the next question, uh, says, uh, thanks for all you've done with the podcast. Extremely helpful. I'm trying to leave my current career behind and start at an accelerated fl flight school at 30 years old. I'm trying to get my first class medical to start this flight school. I did the physical and Amy says everything was perfect. The FA says I need two more tests for the heart member that I've had since birth. I'm a weightlifter. I cycle and row. I've played ice hockey, baseball my entire life, 30 years. I'm extremely fit. They made me put notes in my file saying so. Do you have any information regarding this? No, anyone has had a similar test for the medical. Forms online are hit miss on this subject. This is the only thing holding me back at this point from starting at my accelerated flight school. And he's starting this summer. Well, I tell you what, it's, uh, it's somewhat common. Uh, and we see this every so often, especially in people that work out, uh, runners, uh, that type of thing. You will see the fact that, yeah, they're going to have issues and the FAA is going to ask for more information about their, uh, you know, their medical situation. Uh, do I know anybody that's gone through this? Uh, I'd have to say I, I know someone going through this process continually. I've never had a day where I didn't know somebody going through the process with the FAA. Uh, obviously, being an airline pilot, I see this at work. Uh, we have uh, a lot of people out on medical leave uh, on a continual basis, uh, you know, maybe 3%, sometimes 5 sometimes 10% on medical leave because the FAA has asked them to provide more information so that they can get their first-class medical. One of the things that I suggest is that you – possibly bring in another consultant. We don't do uh, medicine, but I have a lot of people that I use and a lot of consultants. One of the organizations that I like to use, uh, and there's other ones out there, it's just the one that I've been using lately, is aviationmedicine.com. And just tell them that we sent you there. It's uh, from Aviation Careers Podcast. Aviationmedicine.com is used by many of the big organizations. They have people that are there and, and doctors that will do a consultation with you and say, hey, listen, this is what's happening. Uh, what do you think I need to do? Do you think I, I need to really you know, think about another career possibly? Uh, they're very upfront, and, and they'll tell you and you know, say, hey, listen, you'll be able to do this, but you might not be able to fly for, say, six months. Uh, it's going to take that long to get your medical. Um, most of the time, if it's just additional information, 
Usually the FAA gives you a few months. If they don't get the proper information, sometimes they'll extend it. And then again, sometimes uh, you know it, it works out for the worst, and they won't issue your medical, and you'll have to get, continue to go through this process. Unfortunately, that's just the way the FAA is. And uh, But once you go through that process, that process is over. Uh, other things can pop up. Believe me, I've been through the FAA and medical issues, et cetera, and it is scary, I know, especially for someone like me who's been in the airlines for so long. I lose my medical. You know, every For me, I'm a first officer. Every 12 months, I could lose my job because I go in and I, I bang out a medical, that type of thing. It's happened to me once. Uh, I didn't actually lose my medical, but I had to go through a lot of testing. It came down to the wire on the amount of time I had to f- complete the testing and all. Uh, unfortunately, I had to call in sick and spend a lot of money getting my medical back. Uh, fortunately, I'm already at the majors, so I have great medical benefits as far as loss of license and also uh, long-term disability, which I get till I'm 65. But you got to get to that point and uh, and make sure you work this out. So that's just one of the organizations that I I look towards for help, and I usually tell people to go to them and talk to them. Uh, but yes, just just to help you out though, as far as what I can tell you, is yeah, I do know a lot of people who've been through uh, these type of programs, uh, but it really, or excuse me, these problems, I should say, uh, and they've been able to get them worked out. So anyway, well, that's, uh, I really appreciate the question. Uh, Again, in the show notes, you can find that link uh, for this question uh, to the folks that can help you out. Uh, And the AME you're working with, uh, I usually tell people, if you're going to work for an airline, work with an AME, Aviation Medical Examiner, by the way, that's what an AME stands for, an Aviation Medical Examiner, that will help you with your career and has also worked with other airline pilots. Luckily, like I've had uh, medical issues in the past and I've been able to work with an AME that actually has some experience. I've also used the services so I can vouch for them for aviationmedicine.com. I've used their services and they were great and were able to help me out. Um, But make sure when you use these services, you tell them everything. Don't hold back any information because they need to know everything. So make sure you do that. Well, gosh, that's uh, that's all the time we have for this episode. And uh, like I said, keep the questions coming. Uh, we it's right now May, and we're through the middle of February for questions. Uh, we're that far backlogged. Uh, we will also have some of our co-hosts on and some more guest hosts. And I appreciate the feedback, by the way, uh, from the last episode uh, with you know Pam Landis with. The, the fact that we do have a great career path for rotor wing pilots, if that's what you want to do. There's so many other things in the career world. Uh, we want to hear from you. If you want have a friend that wants to come on and talk about their career, that's terrific. Uh, we're not just about airline pilots. It's just this is just this shortage has made us focus so much on this. And uh, it's amazing. It's incredible what's happening out there. And it's a great career. Even if we didn't have the shortage, by the way, it's a wonderful career. And make sure you get into it for the right reasons. Well, as I say in every podcast, there's something that you need to do to move forward in your career. And that's that's forward in this career as aviation is concerned or any other career. And that's to do this, is to take a step today to move forward in your life, in your career. Whether it's in aviation, whether it's in your schooling, no matter what it is, and it can be something really small. Get on the internet right now, look up what I just talked about with these aviation medicine. Check out the videos we have. Check out the SkyWest Airlines rotor transition programs. Go and look at books. Read what you can. Be careful listening to those forums. But make sure you do something today. Do something now to move forward in your career. Take one small step. And you know what? You're going to make it. And you're going to go forward in your career much quicker 
than you realize by just taking that one step today. Well, folks, we'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.